Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Steel Curtain Network's Dave Schofield coming at you Thursday morning. Man, we're a week removed now. There was so much anticipation building up to the 2023 NFL Draft, and now here we are. A week ago, we were talking about it's the day of the draft. It's the day of the draft, and now it's a week later. It's a week later. Uh, I, I had to actually put this out. There's a tweet. I, this is a little bit of an aside. I hope you find this comical. I had to put this out there last Thursday on Twitter. I'm like, uh, for people that call this uh, the, the NFL draft Christmas, yeah, you're way off. Because I don't have to wake up on Christmas morning and wait all day for Christmas. No, no, no. It's not a 13-hour wait until it actually starts. So I'm like, this is more like, you know, your wedding day. You wake up in the morning and you're like, you just want the the ceremony time to get there because you just want to get on with it. So that's kind of how that was for me. That that waiting around on Thursday was kind of driving me a little bit nuts, but uh, it paid off. It paid off Friday. I just had a very busy day Friday leading up to the leading up to the draft. My goodness, I almost thought I wasn't gonna make it. Um had my son at an appointment. There was Lots of rain. There was some accidents. I got just in a standstill uh, trying to get him home. But I, I made it home about eight minutes before the Steelers went on the clock. So that was good news. And boy, did they ever go on the clock. We're going to talk about this 
draft class. We're not, I'm not going to break down the draft class. A lot of other people have broken it down. And if you listen to my podcast, you've already heard me talk about all seven players. I did the breaking news podcast on all of them. So you can always go back and listen to that. That was right when it happened. And of course, I've got more to say about them now. Talked about them Tuesday night with, with my brother on the Scobro show. We'll talk more tonight on the Steelers preview. I'm going to look at the draft itself and the movement in the draft when it came to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was the wheeling and dealing. It was, they didn't stand pat. The Steelers, they made two deals. And there's people saying, I think Omar Khan's going to make multiple trades. I think he might do multiple trades. You know what he did? And the Steelers ended up with very similar situations from what they were going in. They ended up with the same number of draft picks and the same number of picks in the rounds that they were designated to have before the draft started. Now, where those picks fell in those rounds were a little bit different, and how it all worked out actually really worked out well in the Steelers' favor. And that's what I'm going to look at is, is it, it really comes down to did they, did they maneuver correctly? And I look at it this way. I look at it playing the market. They played the market of how the draft was playing out. And this is what I mean by this. This, I said this to people that were talking about, well, could the Steelers trade up? No, nah, they're more likely to trade back. They're more likely to trade back. Well, one, the Steelers don't in the first round. This is what we're talking about. The Steelers don't trade back a lot. They don't trade back in the first round a lot. They did it with Casey Hampton, traded back three spots, got the guy they wanted, picked up the draft capital to move up in round two to get the person they wanted there who actually ended up being the defensive rookie of the year in Kendrell Bell. That was some movement. That that, that was some pretty good stuff early on uh, with, with Kevin Colbert um, in his second draft with the Steelers. So we're looking at this first one with Omar Khan, and I was saying going in, I, I think the value – isn't there in trading back where the Steelers were sitting in the first round. I didn't think there, think it was. I think they were kind of in no man's land. J- Jeremy Betts talked about this, of where they were. They, they weren't high enough to really grab something. And when you got into that zone where they're really the players that were in that grouping that really stood out. I'm talking players taken from, you know, 15 to 20. You could maybe even say 15 to 20, 25, but I, I, I'm going to say 15 to 20, maybe even 22, you'll see as we get there. That, there was that zone in there that you're like, I don't know that that's the zone that teams are looking to move up into if the draft falls the way many think it will. And it kind of did. I didn't think the value would have been there for the Steelers to move back at 17. If they wouldn't have made a move and they would have waited till 17 and wanted to try to move back, I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have because I don't think they would have gotten what they wanted. The value wasn't there. And we'll get to that with their next pick. The value wasn't there to make that move. So if there were more teams looking to trade back than there were teams looking to trade up, then the market is good for trading up. So the Steelers, rather than do what many thought they could do and trade back, they played the market to their favor to actually move up. Now, how much did they play the market in their favor? Well, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. You can look at it as draft charts, draft charts. I have one here. This is from Draft Tech. This is, this is the, the one that, that you get most likely. 
Um, it's the classic Jimmy Johnson version. I was surprised. I looked on um, over the cap, and their version was not the same. They had they had stuff way too valuable as you went down the draft. But I, I looked up what the Steelers did, and, and the the chart is the chart. It is you know the cut and paste component is the cut and paste component. the The standard is the standard. However you want to say it, the chart is the chart. The chart is not what you live by. The chart might give you an idea of things, but if you look at that idea of things, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers draft ended up dr- training up for the 14th spot. That was uh, on, according to this, the, the point value there is 1,100 points. Where they were sitting at 17, their value was at 950 points. So they moved up 150 points. So you're saying, okay, move up 150 points. What would you give up for 150 points? You know, um, to in, in order to do that. Well, 150 points, if you look at it, that is the exact value of pick 88. So the Steelers, they weren't giving up 80. That was too much. They were willing to give up their next pick after 88, which was all the way down at 120. If you look at what the value is at 120, the value was 54. So rather than 150, they gave up a value of 54. Um, New England, I don't think, had a problem with this because they ended up getting the guy they wanted anyway, which is a popular theme you're going to see with some of this stuff. So the Steelers got more value by trading up. And what the, and and not having to give up as much than what they would have had if they would have attempted to trade back. They just simply wouldn't have got the value trading back, assuming that things were still falling in that way. Well, does that still really tell the whole picture? Well, I decided to go back and try to pull up some draft picks that were traded between picks 14, 15, 16, 17. Now, there's some that are close. And everything. I'm going to go ahead and tell you how this all panned out. But I mean, if you look at it last year, last year, the 13th, I know there's one spot too high, the 13th overall pick was, was acquired by the Philadelphia Eagles for the 15th overall pick. And it took a fourth and two fifths to do that. Pick 124, 162, 166. That was pretty steep to move up two spots. So granted, it was a, that was one spot higher than what the Steelers moved up. But the, they had to give up three picks. That's three players that they ended up giving up. So that was a steeper price than what the Steelers had to do. I'm going through here trying to find some of these. Um, here was one from 2021. Someone moved, and it was it was the um, the New York Jets moved from the 23rd pick up to the 14th. Okay, 23. That was moving into the spot the Steelers did, but they're coming from further back. They gave up to do that. They gave they gave up a third round pick, and they also swapped a third for a fourth. So they gave up one player and and overall about oh my goodness, 70 some spots um, in order to do that. Now, but that was moving a little bit farther. There's some other ones here that you can see. I'm trying to leave some of the ones out of it. Um that involved players, okay, and, and some that was too high. But but here was like here's one where someone moved up to the 14th pick. This was in 2008. Okay, the Saints moved up to the 14th pick. They gave up, but they had to do it from 27, all the way from 27. They gave up a fifth and their first round pick the next year. That's a steep price, but you think about that. You had to move up 13 spots. Steelers only had to move up three. Trust me, we get some in here that are a little bit closer. Here's one that's somewhat closer. 
Okay, in 2018, the Bills moved up to the 16th spot, gave up pick 22. So they moved up six spots, had to give up a third and a fifth to do that. Two different ones, one higher than the Steelers, one higher than what the Steelers gave up, and then an additional uh, additional fifth. I mean, one round higher than what the Steelers gave up. Uh, and and there were some more of these. Here, here you go. Here's an interesting one. This was 2015. All right, the San Francisco blah, blah, blah. the San Francisco 49ers, I finally got it right, traded with who was at the time the San Diego Chargers. The 49ers traded out of the 15th spot, 15th, with the Chargers who were 17. So this was to move up two spots in 2015, two spots from 15 to, to or sorry, from 17 to 15, not from 17 to 14. They gave up a fourth and a fifth to do that. Okay, that's I'm trying to show you that the Steelers did pretty good compared to market value. Not everywhere, but a lot of on a lot of these. Okay, um, it's it's just a, like like here's another one. Uh, this is a little bit higher. This is back to 2012, where where to for for the for the Seahawks um, to trade out of the 12th spot. Once again with the Eagles. Um, to, to get the 12th pick, the Eagles, the Eagle, the Eagles, the, the Eagles gave up the 15th pick, a fourth and a sixth to move up three spots. They gave up a fourth and a, and a sixth, but that was moving from 15 to 12, not from 17 to 14. So two spots further back for everything that cost an extra sixth round pick. Um, all kinds of, of these here. I, I, I'm not going to go back beyond 2000, but, uh, here's one that, that, that's, that's kind of close, but not quite. Um, how about someone trading the 17th overall pick for the 19th? It cost a six rounder. Um, that was, that was, uh, Tampa Bay moving up with the Browns. That. They did, that was a pretty good market for them to move up. Um, let's see. Uh, there's another one here. Uh, to do uh, the no, that one's not going to work. I had filtered through some of these. Um, here's where someone moved up to 17 from 21. Um, this was in 2007. It was the Broncos moving up. They gave up a third and a sixth. Um, in order to do that, so that's what I'm trying to do. Trying to find some things that were that were similar. Okay. Uh, moving up from 15 to 11 cost a third round pick. That's pretty even to what the Steelers did to go from seven from 17 to 14. Um, and and uh, like I said, some of these are, are a little bit a, a little bit more. How about someone moving from 16 to 13, not from 17 to 14, 16 to 13? This was in 2005. Cost the Saints a third round pick in order to move up and do that. Steelers weren't going to do that for less than a fourth. All right. Um, so those were just some, some comparative ones. I thought there was one more. Here you go. Um, no, that's too far. Um, that one's too far too. Uh, this 14th overall pick was straight in 2002, but that was straight up for Drew Bledsoe. Um, and here was in 2002, um, the, the, uh, uh, yeah, that was still 2002, but it says the same. It says it was the, yeah, because it says sub, subsequently traded. Here you go. The 14th pick was traded up from the 15th pick, and it cost a fourth rounder. To move up one spot from 15 to 14 was a fourth rounder. That was when the Giants took Jeremy Shockey um, and the Titans then took Hainsworth. So those are, I'm just trying to give some ideas of, of what it took to move up in the past. Um, like another one, this is somewhat close. This was the Steelers. I already mentioned it. 
When they moved up from, or they dropped back from 16 to 19, the Jets gave up a fourth and a sixth. So these were just kind of some of those of, of what it took to show that there was very few of those. I don't know that this was the best one of everyone that I listed, but there, it would take maybe, maybe one other one was as good. Maybe one other was good what the Steelers did. So to me, this was playing the market. You were at a part of the draft where trading up cost less because people weren't trying to do it. And trading back was going to not give you nearly as much because others were trying to do it. Now you look at the Steelers at 32. To me at 32, I was not in favor of them trading this pick going into the day based on how the draft fell. I was at, I was asked this um, on the show after the first round pick. Hey, you treating thirty two more? I said no. I said to, I said depends on how the rest of this draft plays out because we did that show when it was still the, the end of the first round was still going on. So when Joey Porter Jr. was sitting there, I'm like the Steelers had to get a massive haul in order for them to trade out of that pick. The value wasn't there. The next pick be behind them for the Steelers. The next pick behind them was traded. And what and, and and what did they get for it? They got okay. Um, this uh, the Cardinals traded out of it. Um, they got a swap of picks this year and gained a third round pick next year. Yeah, the Steelers wouldn't have gained anything back for this draft, and I I, I think they were wise for doing that. What I was saying going into that is, I'm like, is the pick that you get in the fourth, fifth, or whatever round you would have picked up for trading back there, is it worth the difference of the player you're going to get? If the Steelers would have traded back and then not would have had Joey Porter Jr. Now, some said, well, maybe they would have traded back and still got him. We'll never know. But let's say they didn't. Wouldn't we go for years saying, man, what if the Steelers would have just taken Joey Porter Jr. rather than trade? Oh, they did that for a fifth-round pick. They only picked up blah, blah, blah. You know, and that's a player that would have been compared to all the time. Now, when you look at then what the Steelers did at the at the end of the draft, not the end of the draft, at the end of day two, at the end of day two, they traded back to gain back another fourth round pick. So, so, so this was this this was where it went. They traded back thirteen spots in the third round to gain a fourth round pick, and. I honestly believe, this is just my, my gut telling me, that I think the Steelers were trading back in that third round because they thought that they could get they could still get Nate Herbig in round three. I just said Nate Herbig. I'm not going to do that on times. They can still get Nick Herbig in round three with that pick trading back. And they traded back, and the top player on their board was still there, so they took him in during that Washington. So they're like, yeah, we got to do this. And guess what they still, and then they got Herbig in round four. So that was really good. Let's look at the value of that. The Steelers went from, from 80 to 93. Well, the value at 80 is 190 points. The value at 93 is 128 points. So you're talking 62. You're talking 62 points. Well, if you're talking 62 points, that's pick 116. Well, guess what? They were trading with the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers didn't have a pick higher than 116. So they had to be the next pick that the Panthers had if the Seals were willing, because that was their trade partner. And that happened to be pick 132. Even though that value was 40, the Steelers still took that. Because remember, that I still think at that point of the draft, the value in trading back wasn't as much as the value in trading up. But they, but they did that, and they, got, and, they, and they got their pick back. 
So let's look at this in all of what the Steelers did. The Steelers moved up, and we're, we're going to look at it from the from the value of of the chart. They moved up, which what cost them what would have been 150 points. Okay, they moved in in essence. You know, they moved back from 80 to 93. So, um, and I've already said that that cost them 62. Then they then they would have had pick 120, and instead they had pick 132. 120 was worth 54. 132 is worth 40. That's another 14 points. So you're talking 62 and 14 is 76. Okay, they 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 got they went back 70, the equivalent of 76 points, and went up 150. They basically doubled their value. They basically doubled their value going up if you're going by the chart. They went up 150, and then their two move backs, and what they did, they went back 76. You, they're one point away from being exactly halfway. So to me, they got two-to-one value on their trading. That's playing the market. You moved up for much cheaper, even though you didn't get everything that you, you know, at the as great of value when you moved back, it, it still you still got good value. You didn't quote unquote fleece them in that trade of, of, of trading back based on the chart, but you got the best value possible. And yet with that, with the Steelers, um, you know, you looked at, you, you, you look at that 150. Um, I'm really surprised that the Steelers, you know, didn't have to give up pick, pick 80 that instead it was 120. That was fantastic. So to me, that was playing the market. That's what the Steelers did. And I like the moves that they made. I like that they stayed at 32 because the market wasn't there to really get what you needed to do to trade back out of that spot. They were looking forward to it. They're like, we've never had this opportunity to be the first pick of a day. You know, apparently the Steelers had multiple offers but they weren't that great. And if they didn't blow you away, take the player. If you had the player there to take, take him. So with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take this draft class, who is some people who really have lofty goals and they want to throw out the year 1974. And the best draft class ever um, in the NFL of any franchise of all time. We're going to actually look at that 1974 class and say, remember this when you look at the Steelers rookies for 2023. So stick around after these messages. We'll be right back. When my phone rings, you found someone new. It's no surprise how life it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome back, Steeler fans. Thanks for sticking with me. Whoo, here we go. All right, now now I've got to confess something. In the first half, I, I did my best. I, I still talked about some players a little bit. You know, the Steelers still getting a the player they wanted, even though they traded back. I was specifically not talking about players and only talking about value whenever it came to the Steelers' 2023 draft and the moves that the front office made and that they did that properly based on the market. But really, none of that matters if you don't draft the right players. You've got to draft good players. What ultimately makes the draft great is drafting great players. That's what it really comes down to. The Steelers could have moved up. They could have moved back. They could have moved up, down, sideways. It wouldn't have mattered if you don't draft the right guy. So the standard that is the standard of all NFL drafts, it's not the standard, it's it's the world record holder, is the 1974 class of the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they unprecedentedly, I mean, absolutely crazy what they did in this draft, that the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted four Hall of Fame players and had, an, had a Hall of Fame undrafted free agent. That's unheard of. But yet some Steelers fans got so excited with the Steelers after day two, they're talking, they're throwing out the number 1974. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know why? Because even the 1974 draft class wasn't the 74 draft class until five to 10 years later is when you really saw the greatness of the whole class, but not really the whole class. Honestly, it still wasn't really the whole class. Because let, let's look at that first. You know how many players the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted in 1974? 
21, 21 players drafted in 1974. Out of those 21 players, out of those 21 players, no joke, 12 didn't play in the NFL. 12. 12. So you're talking about more than half the draft class not even playing. Now, of course, you know, they're like, well, how many rounds was it? 17 rounds. Yeah, it was 17 rounds. You're like, that's just absolutely insane. But I'll be honest with you. The Steelers made two picks in the 10th round that were pick number 243 and 254. Those would have been seventh rounders in this past draft. So, yeah, you're looking at that. So if you want to then knock off any picks that would have happened after what would have been the cutoff for the modern draft, which is in the 250s, you're talking they had a a 283, a 308, a 333, a 358, a 387, a 412, and a 437. Right? So that's seven picks right there. Seven. And guess what? None of those seven played in the NFL. None of them. Not one of them has a game to their credit. So you knock them out. So you take away those seven. You've still got 14 draft picks. So so you take a third of them away. That would have been 14 draft picks compared to the Steelers' seven. So they had twice as many people, twice as many people to choose from. Then out of those picks, yes, you had the four Hall of Famers. But you also had five others that played that were just all right. You know, there wasn't anything overly impressive. Um, for example, uh, the Steelers' second fourth-round pick, they didn't have a third-round pick. They had two-fourths. Their second fourth-round pick, Jimmy Allen, defensive back, he was the 100th pick overall. He played four years in Pittsburgh. He was all right. He was okay. He started a few games here and there. He started one game as a rookie. Then he didn't st- then he didn't start again until 77. Four years later, he started five games. But that was it. He was four years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what happened after that? Okay. Well, he ended up in Detroit. Exactly how I didn't take the time to look him up because he's, he's not the focus of, the, of what we're going to be talking about. He played four years in Detroit. Had much, much, much better career in Detroit. Much better career. Every year he had in Detroit – was much better than whatever he had in Pittsburgh. For example, if you use the AV statistic from um, Pro Football Reference, his AV were for the four years of the Steelers at one three four three. His best year was uh, was 1976, where he had an AV of four. Uh, his four years in Detroit six six ten nine. So obviously, he was a much better player in Detroit. So that was one. It's not like they got it wrong, but he didn't really do much for the Steelers. Then their sixth round draft pick. You know, you got Jim Wolf. Um, he only played in 25 games um, um, in his in his entire NFL career, um, and and this and there was one other from that Charles Davis defensive tackle. He played um, he played uh, 74 games in his career uh, with the Steelers, but he's someone from that draft class um, that was from round nine. He was picked 229. That a lot of people don't don't hear, but he only played one year with the Steelers. 14 games, no starts, one year with Pittsburgh. Then he spent five years with St. Louis and one year with Houston. So even there, it wasn't necessarily with uh, the Steelers. So let's look at that 74 draft class. And even better, let's look at their rookie years. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, one stood out above the rest. Jack Lambert, 14 games played, 14 starts, NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Boom, right there. 
that right there tells you something that that uh that that the that the that he got right. He had two interceptions, he had a fumble and a fumble recovery. They weren't he had two sacks. This was um retroactive when that at uh, where Pro Football Reference has gone back and assigned sacks um to, to players through the 70s. But they don't have tackles or anything like that. But he was the defensive player of the year. But he wasn't a pro bowler until 75. And then he was all pro in 76. And he was second in um, – okay, not only was he a, was he all pro, he was the defensive player of the year. And he was second in MVP voting. Pro Bowl, all pro, defensive player of the year, second in MVP voting. He had um, an NFL leading eight fumble recoveries that, that year. This is Jack Lambert, okay? So, yeah, so his Pro Bowl streak went from 75 through 83 and all that. But in 74, he was Defensive Player of the Year, 14 starts, but he wasn't even with Pro Bowl. He was by far the most productive as a rookie of that 74 class. The player with the next most number of starts was John Stallworth. He had three starts. Lynn Swan had two. And Jimmy Allen Donnie Shell and Mike Webster only had one start as a rookie. So even after the year 1974, even after the season, it's not like that draft class was already known that it was, oh, wow, what a draft class. This was not the case. These players took some time to get going. For example, Lynn Swan, first-round draft pick. He had 11 receptions for 208 yards and two touchdowns in 12 games with two starts. All right? 11 receptions. I have a feeling Steelers fans would like to see Darnell Washington have more than 11 receptions his rookie year. And this was first-round draft pick, future Hall of Famer, Lynn Swan. I I mean, now, he ended up in the Pro Bowl in 1975 because he caught an NFL-leading 11 touchdowns in his second season. So, And he was was second-team All-Pro when he made the Pro Bowl. So, But then, nothing in 76. 77 Pro Bowl, um, second team All Pro, and in 78 Pro Bowl and first team All Pro. That was all. So even Lynn Swan, rookie year, not much. I mean, 11 receptions. And then in 75, he had 49 for 781 yards. Now remember, yes, it was a different NFL back then with the passing statistics and all that. But still, 11 receptions for your first round draft pick. Uh, people were probably like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. But, but then, then you look at Stallworth. He had he had more production as a rookie. He had 16 receptions for 269 yards, but he only had one touchdown instead of two. So one touchdown as a rookie. So there are two Hall of Fame wide receivers drafted in the 1974 class had a total of three touchdowns their rookie year. Okay, Stallworth, and then he got going a little bit more the next year, 20 receptions, um, 423 yards. He started nine games. Then he didn't play as much as 76. I'm pretty sure he missed some time due to injury. Only played in eight games. Had three starts, nine catches for 111 yards, two touchdowns. He did not reach Pro Bowl, where he also was all pro, until 1979. So you come in as this great rookie, but you didn't really stand out as being, you know, crazy good right away. You want to talk about another one that wasn't crazy good right away? How about Mike Webster? 14 games, one start as a rookie. 14 games, one start this next year. He did not take over until 1976. So that was two years on the bench for Mike Webster. Two years on the bench. 
and then comes in 76, 77, 78 is when he started with the pro bowl and all pro honors since 78, 79, 80, 81, 82 was just pro bowl. 83 was back to pro pro bowl and all pro 84 was pro bowl. 85 was pro bowl. And then 87 was pro bowl. So all those accolades didn't get going right away. So remember that when you look at this 2023 draft class of the Steelers, all these Steelers fans are so happy. They're so great and everything, even the greatest draft class of all time, the greatest draft class of all time had a combined 22 starts their rookie year, and the Steelers made 21 selections. And even if you throw out the bottom seven because they were picks that now would have been undrafted free agents, you know, and I'm even counting undrafted free agent Donnie Shell. out of all that, then you're talking 14 picks and plus an undrafted free agent. And, and to get 22 starts as rookies, okay? So that's really important to remember that with, with Steelers fans. I don't think they, they that's something that stands out, that Steelers fans really sit back and think about, that that uh, all of a sudden they're, they're so hyped over a draft class. Or, for example, like the Steelers rookies in 2021 who had to play more than any other rookies ever for the Steelers. Uh, that was... You know, how do you feel about it now? Is Kendrick Green going to make the roster? Probably not. People want to replace Dan Moore Jr. as something terrible. I mean, they drafted another left tackle. Doesn't mean that he won't play. Doesn't mean that he can't play the other tackle. We'll see how that plays out this year. All right. You've got Naj- Najee Harris. Okay. Some people were already wanting to call him a bust partway through year two because he was still getting over the injury from training camp and all everything going on with the Steelers offense. And then Pat Fermuth, people are complaining about, about, uh, about the concussions, although they say, he, that what doesn't mean that they were both actually concussions, uh, but he just that he was in the concussion protocol. So you, you look at all that and it's like, oh, oh, you still look at the concern, but that rookie class played more than any other one before them. It was unprecedented how much they played played as rookies. But guess what? Are they going to pan out to be an all-time great class? So remember, if you want this this 2023 draft class to be an all-time great, which, you know, they're not going to be the 74 Steelers. I don't think anyone could ever duplicate that. That would be a crazy draft. But chances are, if it was a draft, it's not going to be one that's getting an A after it's said and done. It's going to be one that comes out of nowhere that they don't expect. Remember, People were not high on the Steelers 74 draft when it happened. I mean, they were getting bad. Not that they gave them grades, but they were getting um, bad reviews of their draft. Um, Bob Labriola loves to tell a story and, and, and often comments or sorry, quotes, quotes, um, a, a breakdown of the Steelers draft um, partway through. Um, it was even in his asked and answered column on Tuesday that uh, the, that oh the Steelers didn't come up. They, they called Jack Lambert a player who would at best who would be at best the Steelers' fifth linebacker. He was defensive rookie of the year. All right. Oh well, they came out good at wide receiver because they drafted two, but that's it. They didn't draft. They didn't. They were upset. They didn't draft a punter or a tight end. You know, and they got four Hall of Fame players and a Hall of Fame undrafted free agent. Wow. So just remember that. Winning the draft, getting getting the grades is everything. If you want this draft to be an all-time draft, 
you want it to be for the long haul. It doesn't have, don't be, you have to have patience. It can't be right away and all those other things. So now I know it's a different NFL with free agency and all that, that it's, that makes it more difficult, but Hey, it is what it is. So that's it. That's Steelers stat geek. I went over a little bit, but you know, when don't I go over? But so remember that 2023, they did, the Steelers did a great job of playing the market correctly to get more value with what they did in both by moving up and moving down, they played it right that it worked better in their favor. All right. So there was that. And then also remember, hold your horses. It, you know, you're not going to know how great this draft class is for three to five years, but also be patient with them. If they're not tearing up the field, the first half of their rookie year, that doesn't, that's not what it's really all about. That's not what it's really all about. Is that good if they do? Yes, as long as they keep going. So that's that. All right, so make sure you're checking out all our other uh, podcasts here at the Steel Curtain Network. Uh, we've got our regular schedule going now. You'll have a, what it's talking about coming up. I'm curious what they're going to talk about. I'm, I'm going to miss my One Way to Mock song. I really am. Um, hopefully they do it again because they're going to, they're probably going to mock the mocks. They're probably going to break down who was right. So please, please Kyle, give me the song one more time. Um, and then of course, tonight you've got um, the Steelers preview with myself, uh, Jeff Hartman and Brian Anthony Davis and our whole regular lineup um, with, with, with everything. Uh, let's ride on Friday. Uh, here we go. Um, our weekend content, both with, um, you know, we've got, both on the YouTube side and the audio side. And as I say, subscribe. It's free. Go ahead and subscribe. Get the shows coming at you. Whew. I'm still ready for some questions. I still need questions. I know I got one um, in the hopper, but I wanted to talk about that this, this week. Um, so I'm ready for more stats questions from you all. Um, if you hit me at Twitter, it's at STLR Superfandad. Or if you do it on on uh, email, it's STLR Superfandad at gmail.com. Thanks. And as I always say to finish out, thanks for This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.